Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We're going to be talking about New Covenant Christianity, and as I begin, I wonder if anybody has a testimony of what the Lord's doing right now, Sharon. In their lives, he's directing something. Maybe you had a breakthrough this week. Maybe you got to share the gospel with somebody. Sam, I know, and I know Greg Buckman had something too. I don't know where Greg went. So, man, I just walked by you. Let me get Sam first, and then I'll come back. I just wanted to declare to everyone in faith that God has healed my stomach. I've been dealing with. Uh, a stomach issue for about the past two years, and I'm just declaring in faith that God is going to heal me, and, you know, he has an inheritance for me, and it's, and it's for health, wealth, and wisdom, and blessing, and uh, I just declare that by his stripes, I'm healed, and so I just declare it before it's happened now, um, but it's going to happen, and I just wanted to say it in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to come back to this in just a minute because we're going to make a faith declaration over our lives. You're going to make me do a pit stop before I get to Greg, huh? All right. Well, we were praying for a woman, Linda, last week. We want to continue to pray for her. But uh, we were ministering to her yesterday, and she asked if we would just go around and anoint the house. So um, her husband is uh, Catholic. Um, She's been really concerned that he just doesn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And yesterday, as I was going around anointing the house, I saw him, and I asked him, is it okay that I'm doing this? He said, if it's good for you. I said, well, that's awesome. And I went over and started talking to him, and he began to have a tear in his eye. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, could I pray with him? Again, he said, if it's good for you. I said, well, it is good for me. Let's pray. (laughs) So we prayed. We both ended up crying, (laughs) and... um, his wife, he's going through a really hard time. His wife was diagnosed with an inoperable tumor on her liver. So we're going to keep praying for Linda in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to pray more for healing in a minute. Greg. All right, I'll just scream it. All right. I'm not feeling too loud on be. You know what? I'm not feeling good either, so. Okay, so, so three months. Here's a great testimony for you. Two guys giving testimony that don't feel good. There we go. So about three months ago, the Lord woke me up like around 2 o'clock in the morning, and I rarely have these, like, I, I think this might be actually the first time in my life where, like, the Lord's, like, woken me up and kind of said something to me. And it's kind of along the lines of what Lloyd's been talking about, but he said that um, my grace is what allows you to be the being that you're supposed to be. And, um, and it was something that, like, hit me, and I was just like, I'm like, what does that mean? And then I started thinking about, like, how, like, we are eternal beings and how we... We live in this world and we start to look at the things of the world, like whether it be our jobs or family or success, failures and stuff like that. And that determines like who we are and we, that becomes our identity. And then I start to think about like, what does it mean to like, you know, to be an eternal being? And an eternal being, it's kind of like what Brenda was saying earlier about, about us being like heirs and being like royalty. And so with that, he also kind of gave me a couple of things and, he's, and he just said like, the foundation of who we are is my grace and my, and my love. And um, 
I coach basketball. I coach junior high girls basketball, and, and I get these, these girls that are like, you know, they're coming from like being little kids, and everything they do is mechanically when they shoot is just completely off. They're like heaving the ball and doing all this different stuff. <laughs> and the very first thing I do with them is I talk to them about their feet. Like we literally will just like stop and like work on our feet because that's our foundation. And, and with that, something that really kind of comes from that is that no matter, you don't make every shot, but your, if your foundation's correct, the shot's going to be a good shot, no matter what. I mean, it's going to hit the rim if, you're, if your foundation is right, if your feet are set. And so, like, just thinking about, like, if our foundation of who we are as, as Christians or just as people in general is God's grace and God's love for us, that doesn't mean that we don't hit the mark every single time, but it means that we are going to be, be shooting in the right direction. And um, a couple of things, uh, one verse that kind of stood out to me was in Romans I can get it open. You get it open, brother. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, I have it. Eight. Romans eight. I was talking yesterday about how when I read Romans, Romans eight, I always go all the way back to five and read five through eight. But um, but it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so, just to encourage all of us that. We are justified, and, and I use the example of, like, with my wife, like, even though I make a mistake, it doesn't mean that I'm not her husband and she's not my wife. And so when we go before the Lord, we have to go before the Lord because we're justified to, to go before the Lord. And so don't be hung up on whether we, we deserve it or anything like that, but the foundation is grace and love, and that's what justifies us. So that's just something I felt like the Lord was saying to me a while back, and I felt like I needed to share. So there Amen. Justification, by the way, is the work of the Lord, not our work. Sanctification. Read John thirteen eight this week. Okay, really, really important. That's where he does the foot washing, and Peter goes, eh, no, and and Jesus says a really interesting grace thing to him. He says, unless you let me wash you, you can have no part of me. It's the Lord that washes us, not us. He's the one who makes us ready, Kevin. So I was at Walmart yesterday, I was putting my groceries away in the car, and I went to push my cart back to one of those places where you push the carts back, but there was none there. So I ended up walking all the way up to the back of the parking lot, and I come across this little girl standing in a, in a shopping cart with her mom. The little girl was holding a balloon, but she was completely bald, wearing a mask. And it was a happy birthday balloon. So I said, happy birthday, how are you today? And she goes... I'm doing great. I go, what's your name? She goes, Ariana. I go, Ariana, why are you wearing a mask today? She goes, oh, I have leukemia. I go, oh, can I pray for you? She goes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and her mom looks at me and says, absolutely. And right again, there, are, there was praying for this little girl. Her name is Ariana. Keep her in prayer. And her mom started crying, and I started crying again. guess I've been doing a lot of crying lately. <laughs> that's, that's a good cry. Amen. We carry this wherever we go, don't we? We carry these promises and we make faith declarations. I was looking at a young lady's notebook that she brought to church, just even as Greg was sharing. It says, faith, hope, and love on the front of it. Those are the three theological virtues that were given to us through what Jesus did and part of our inheritance. So would you do something with me before we get into teaching today? I want you to stand up. We're going to make some declarations. Now, if you need healing, you don't have to leave it up the whole time, but put your, put your left hand up. That's just a sign that we need healing. Look how many of us need a healing touch. We need healing. 
Healing is part of our inheritance as new covenant believers. How many of you need to get out of debt? You can put your right hand up. You have debt, and God wants to get, get you out of debt. Look, left and righties, man. I, here's, okay, I can't get it all the way up. There, that's about it. And so that's me. So we're going to make a declaration right now of new covenant promise over our lives from God. So this is what we're believing together today. So as I speak it right now, I don't have it written up here for you, but you agree with me right now. As we stand here today, we are believing God for heaven opened. We're believing him for that. Earth invaded. That's you and I. We're made of the earth. Earth invaded. Storehouses unlocked and miracles created. This is our declaration as believers in the house of God this morning. Dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declarations, divine manifestations, that little girl healed, anointing, giftings, and callings being given to our young ones and our old ones. Positions and promotions, provisions and resources, those looked for and the unlooked for ones that we might be the people of God to go around our city preaching good news of Jesus Christ, that we are set free to be free to call others to freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you sit down, please? I believe in healing, do you? I believe in New Testament promises. I believe in a covenant, and that's what we're going to begin to talk about. So again, I encourage you. Today, all we're going to have time to do, I'm afraid, is to get through an introduction. And uh, I want to explain in the introduction uh, why we're going to go on this journey. And for some of you, it's going to be an old path, an old journey of going back and rediscovering things that you've known for a long time, but you probably haven't heard taught or talked about or preached about for a long time. And the reason I'm doing it is mostly with the misunderstanding and all the, and uh, I don't want to overuse this word, but uh, it's a word that my wife has used. We were looking at old words that are coming back this morning, and uh, I, was, I was just uh, amazed at some of these words. Uh, I won't go into some of them because they're very funny sounding and what they mean, but one of the words is kerfuffle. There is a kerfuffle in the body of Christ regarding messages around grace and the work that God's doing. And if you walk into a Christian bookstore, you're going to know what I'm talking about right away because you will be inundated with about 25 to 30 books with the title Grace in them or something about grace or something about New Testament believing. And then you'll see a few books that are what's wrong with the grace message stuff, and I'm not here to get into that. I'm not here to throw anything. As a matter of fact, I just want to scream, what are you fighting about? It's Jesus. And I think most of you are at that place with me. So then why are you addressing this? So that we have a sure foundation here. So we're going to spend the next, if you will, 9 to 12 months just looking at this in a meaningful way. And the best place to begin is understanding covenant and what it means. And we'll get to the new life and all that and what various doctrines mean. But I want us to go on a journey in understanding what new covenant life is. 
even the very word itself, because most of us have Bibles and it says that it's divided into two parts, one being old, old what? Did you hear that, the mix up in words? The reason they're mixed up is covenant is a word that's used out of Hebrew language and testament is the Greek variation of that word. And so when this thing was translated for us from Greek to Latin back to English, the word testament was used and in reality it basically means the same thing as covenant. New covenant life has its foundation in understanding what the very idea of covenant actually means to us and what a covenant is. Especially the idea of covenant between God and man and what it's all about. And the differences between old covenant and new covenant. There's a reason it was divided. It's because they're different. They are two different covenants. Now, it's speaking of one particular covenant. Um, but this all has benefit for us. But we are supposed to be new covenant believers in Jesus Christ. And that has a direct connection. The reason we're going to go on a journey and look at it. To life and salvation through Jesus. His purpose for coming, living. And his whole, if you will, predestination and destination for humankind, you and I. That he did a work that was so incredible. Um, It's you and I and it's mind-blowing. The reason I loved worship this morning is I got to go through one of those very wonderful uh, uh, little mini spiritual experience, if you will, at least in my head, but I got to go on a Forrest Gump journey over my life because when we hit the line about, uh, I'm sorry, I'm very, ooh, very sensitive this, this morning, especially to what the Lord's doing because some of you don't know this by experience, but when it got to the line about he turned the orphan, sorry, a son or daughter. Some of you have heard teachings about that, but unless you were an orphan, you don't understand that. I had parents, but my dad died when I was a teenager. And my mother, when I was in my 20s, I understand orphan life. And I want to tell you, Jesus rescued me. And he turned this orphan into a son. And he gave him a new identity. And he's done that for all of us, but when it's a deep life experience, it just kind of, and I went, oh my God, my God, my God. And he took me through the desert journeys, and uh, I think it was all connected with Dave and Tony being from Phoenix, and what he, you know, I got rescued in the desert, you know, where he just showed up, and and that born-again spot happened inside of my life. And then I spent two years wandering. Brenda and I were joking about it this morning. I got saved, and then I'd go get high and talk to this other guy I'd get high with about Jesus. <laughs> you know, the funny thing, he never got mad at me about any of that stuff. I'm not giving you permission. I'm just telling you what happened in my life, you know. It's, oh, hey, Rick, what about that God, <laughs> God stuff? 
Is it real? Oh, it's got to be real. I don't know where Rick is today, but I know where I am. And I know it was God who sanctified me and not me. But when he rescued this poor orphan, we talk so much about destiny. But he just took me through different stages of my life, being alive in the desert, looking up in the night sky, singing eagles songs. Some of you will understand that, others won't. And of understanding of what he does and that he takes that which is nothing and he restores it to complete, completeness, wholeness, even though we haven't experienced all of it yet. I knew I was different. I was new that I was other than. And then the journey of life to set in places of government and to sit with government leaders, to stand at the tip of Africa, the Cape of Good Hope, and see where the oceans come together and see God's goodness. To go way north and see Mount McKinley peak its head through its own weather, through its own weather cloud. To sit in the seat of government in Belfast, Northern Ireland, where men made a peace treaty to stop fighting each other over God. Stand here with the best looking people on the face of the earth, knowing that they love Jesus. Don't worry about your destiny. God's got it all in his hands. And every time he gives you a glimpse, pray into it. The first spiritual experience I had when I finally started going to to church two years after I got saved was I walked into church. I thought I was having a flashback, but the whole building went away. And I saw blue light, blue intense white blue light, and I saw my two brothers with their hands lifted up. And I knew that they were praising God. And they were both living debauched lives. And I was like, what? And I knew, even though I didn't fully understand it, I knew that my brothers were going to come into a saving knowledge and that they would one day worship God. Now, for those of you who have lost loved ones, it's not you trying to convince them of something through demanding that they change their behavior. I prayed for my two brothers, and guess what? One of them's gone home to be with the Lord now and knows it. And just like Nadine, he's probably up there hugging Nadine and saying, I wish I could have known you back there, but I'll get to know you now. And my other brother, who's a retired pastor and is loving Jesus, don't give up, trust God. Trust God that he's got a destiny and a journey. Because this is what you can always do. And this goes back to the teaching. Sorry, when God takes you on a Forrest Gump journey, you get emotional. And you have not yet begun. You're going to have an incredible faith, hope, and love journey. God keeps his promise. Mark it on your heart today. Because it's the beginning of understanding what new life in Christ is. God keeps promise. God 
initiates promise. We call that promise covenant. Now we know all kinds of human covenants because we understand its legal language. And yet we sort of don't understand it. We refer, refer to marriage as a marriage covenant. If you do a contract in business, that is a covenant. When you do your deed, your title on your house, that is called a covenant. Those are man-oriented, if you will. But really it goes back to what it means in the beginning with a biblical covenant. When it's between us, that's looked at as bilateral. That means, okay, I'm, I'm going to get into a covenant over thing that he's going to give me $100 a week now for the rest of my life just because he likes me. Because he likes me so much, he's going to sign a paper and say, you betcha, Lloyd, I'm going to give you $100 a week for the rest of your life. Did you notice I didn't put any parameters on it? Like I'm going to give him something back? I just want his money. Not true. I have his friendship and I don't need his money. That's bilateral. It means this. He agreed to it. I agreed to it. Actually, he didn't agree to it. He just smiled at me. When it's between two peoples, that's bilateral. But covenant and the biblical definition and the biblical understanding of covenant and what all human covenants came out of is the covenant that God made, the promise that God made. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament portion of your Bible, there are numerous covenants. With it being agreement, and of course when we're speaking of God, when he does it, it's not bilateral. It's unilateral. It's God coming and making an agreement with you within himself. Every covenant of God has been him coming to man. Well, why would he do that? Well, there's lots of theological reasons to look at. Uh, uh, you, can, you can read about them. They actually begin at the end of the Garden of Eden and the story after the fall. God enters into covenant with mankind. It's a promise from God over what he will do and he engages us with him on it. My own feeling is that God did it because we were scared of him. You see that, right? You know, whether you take it literally or whether you, what, what sort of view you hold on the Bible, I'm not here to discuss that this morning. But after Adam and Eve eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what's the first thing that they do? They hide. Who are they hiding from? Why? They're scared, aren't they? You know God's scary? He's terrifying. Why is he terrifying? We're created in his image. He is not created in ours. He is other than us. 
C.S. Lewis described that thing that I'm trying to explain as the awful otherness. <laughs> the otherness of God that is... Uh, I mean, we use this word, I use this word so much. I just said awesome sauce to somebody. But we use the word awesome so much today that uh, it's really lost its meaning for us, hasn't it? God is awesome, and that means fear striking. This is what somebody looks like when they think that something's awesome. And they're, you know, for me, my hair goes straight up. It doesn't curl. Did you notice that? It used to curl. No, it didn't. Only, only when I put stuff in it to make it. And yes, I went through that season too. <laughs> now it just, I'm old and it can do whatever it wants. You should have seen it this morning before I showered. It looked like Bill the cat had been sucking on it. You know? Do you do bad hair in the morning? We have a dear friend that often visits early in the morning and I'm always... <laughs> Alfalfa. God's scary. I think it's one of the reasons he came down to do covenant. Not only do do we know that God's scary, do you know what? God knows he's scary to us. God has no doubt within himself who his being is. And all you have to do is go to the book of Job and understand that and go to the end. Like, get, it, get in the 40s, in the chapters there, when Job wants to go have an audience with God. Got a few things he's going to straighten out with God. Going to tell him about. And I don't know what that looked like, uh, whether he was standing outside some sort of wall or whatever, but he got one glimpse, and you know what he said? Now that I have seen you... <laughs> I put my hand over my mouth. Let me shut up because you are way bigger than me. And I don't mean big in the sense of size. It's that kind of fear. God covenants with us to give us assurance. It makes us feel secure when God lets us know that he cares and no harm will come to us, that he's not out to get us. And even to tell us what he's like, what his intent toward us, and this is what you find in every covenant that God makes, and we'll go through some of it. Every one of God's intents were good. Always. Every covenant from the garden forward, his intent was to display his kindness. It's also referred to as loving kindness, which can be translated mercy. But it's this fact. We, we talk about it, we sing songs about it. God is good. Listen, you need to walk away from that today. We prayed for New Testament covenant this morning. We received a pledge from him that he's good. He's going to heal us. He's going to bless us. He's going to take care of us. That was the glory of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God walked with them and he took care of them. And so when they blew it, whatever that 
looked like, literally or figuratively, whatever happened in that eating that fruit from the knowledge, uh, the tree from the knowledge of good and evil, whatever that looked like, his promise was, even though you did that, I will still be there for you and I am good. Do you notice he didn't zap them and he didn't destroy them? He didn't crispy critter them. See, you guys are lucky I'm not God. I'm like Sheldon Cooper. I have the death ray. Come on, you had the death ray. Don't tell me you didn't. Sitting in that cubicle. And the guy, yeah, Dave, you're going to have to work this weekend. You want to zap him. God didn't zap him. He cut covenant with them. When they were afraid and naked, what did he do? He slew an animal and covered them with skins, because I can tell you this, leaves don't make good clothing. Symbolic or literal? They might be okay to eat, but they don't dress up good. Literally, a covenant's a contract. And when we're talking about the covenants of God, their contract, and this is what's strange, it's between God and us, not us and God. When we talk about covenant relationship, it is never about man trying to reach God. Every covenant you see is God declaring his goodness to us. It's God-initiated. Not man initiated. Isn't that amazing? It's God coming to us, not us going to God. God goes and finds Adam in the garden, doesn't he? And says, Adam, where are you? Start holding the first encounter group. Did God know where Adam was? What's he trying to see? If Adam can recognize where Adam is. God knew where he was. He knows all things. Why are you hiding? I love the fact that covenant and the promises in the covenant are totally God-initiated. I think that misunderstanding of what covenant relationship is lends itself to much of the misunderstanding of what's being taught and not taught around the gospel of grace and actually stems from our lack of foundational teaching and knowledge of covenant relationship. Not just the theology of covenant either, because some of that can get pretty strange, but the very practice of what it means to be in covenant with God. We've had a tendency in the body of Christ. Somebody asked me uh, a year ago, it wasn't somebody, it was Dan. He said, so what do you see as the biggest failure in the body of Christ? And I said, mixture of teaching. And he went, what? I said, mixture of teaching. We've mixed up covenants. We're in a new covenant with Jesus Christ, but we try to get to him through old covenant 
promises. And I'll tell you, it doesn't work very well. Nay, it doesn't work at all. It lends to confusion and really unhealthy spirituality. Does that mean you don't, shouldn't even read your Old Testament? No, 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 no. Hang with me just for a few weeks and we'll get there. And I'll explain it. Because it does apply to how we read our Bibles, what we gain from it. And I think we need some basic teachings to reestablish. Even if you've walked with the Lord like me for 30 or 40 years, don't get bored with it. Come back to it. Refresh yourself with it. Because there's a good way to read your Bible and gain understanding, and there's a lousy way to do it that leads to confusion. Really much. Because if you don't know what was written for you or what was written to you, you will apply it and misapply it in different ways into your life. And I think that's where some of the teaching is really... uh, By the way, I'm quitting social media. I mean, dang, I couldn't post all week. Now, if you're posting, I totally understand it, man. There for a few weeks, I was like, take that, and I'm going to get that one in there and encourage everybody. And then I found out it didn't encourage everybody. He's soft on sin, I tell you. Really? The Lord's told me to lighten up on myself. I don't know what he's told you about me. I don't think I want to know. That's why I'm quitting social media. You know, after we, when you read your Bibles, and if you're new to faith, if you've recently accepted Jesus, you're like, where do I start? Let me just give you and encourage you this. Start with the Gospel of Mark. Just start there, just to see who Jesus is and what he did. Don't, don't worry about all the, get, get in back in there. Don't worry about that now. Start with Mark, then go to Acts, which is a history of the early church. And the people that were called to preach and what they did in doing that and how they established the church of Jesus Christ. And then, for goodness sake, get to the book of Romans. And after you get done reading Romans, read it again. And after you get done with it the second time, then go read Romans 5 through 8. And after you get through that and you study that for about nine months, then go get a really good commentary. I suggest Martin Lloyd-Jones and reread Romans with, with him. And see what happens in your life. It will dynamically change your understanding. And you'll get there. Well, shouldn't I read the rest of the stuff? Sure, but just use those as the sidebar stuff. It's just when you want some, you know, a little potato with sour cream, go over there and get it. But stay there. Because we find, especially in these, and in all the letters of Paul, as he taught, And and we certainly don't venerate Paul above all the other teachers and all the other writers of the New Testament. But listen, he brought the biggest chunk. There's a reason he brought the biggest chunk. 
Because God upended him with a revelation of what he did when he came to the earth incarnate. What he did when he died. What he accomplished when he rose again. And for some reason, he picked that pharisaical religious dude and turned his world upside down as he became born again in Jesus Christ and gave him an understanding. We call that understanding revelation. So in theology, when people study Paul, what they're actually doing is studying what's known as the Pauline revelation. And it's the understanding of what Jesus did in giving us new life. He's an amazing man, what he did. What we find in most of the letters that he wrote, not just in Romans, but in the others, is he addressed two concerns in the church to you and I that still apply today because there's still two of the biggest misunderstanding. And it's this, what Jesus did, and he explains it over and over again in his writings. That's why for sometimes it feels a little repetitive when you read it. What Jesus did in his redeeming work that gave us the position of being in Christ. Have you noticed when you're reading your New Testament how how many times the terms in Christ come up? Now, that wasn't just a way of writing something. It It was this huge, big issue for Paul of what he was trying to tell somebody. When you receive God's plans when your your faith touches a knowing and you get a revelation of who you are that you were in Christ and so he describes over and over and over again all of the covenant promises of God in Christ now connect this back to what I was saying are you with me you track Not if you're tracking with me. I need some, like, affirmation that you're aware. Okay. In Christ and what Christ did is God's deepest expression of his promise to you that he is good. Jesus was the incarnate promise of who God is to turn you into who God is. Does that mean you're a little God? No. It means you're Christ-like. But we have to be careful as we look at this because one of the failures that I see in trying to understand this and that so many of us have done, so many teachers do, is they anthropomorphize God even in Christ. What does that mean? We put human qualities on God and say that that's what God's like. God is not made in man's image. Man is made in God's image. So we have to be careful. So a lot of times even when we teach, and I've done this, I've done it wrongly and I've done it rightly. But we use human relationships to try and understand what God is like. Paul, in his writing, says, don't do that. That's very dangerous. It's very dangerous to do that. Because God is still other than us. And that's the wonderful thing about covenant promise. Is that when Jesus came, guess what he came to declare? 
exactly who God is. That's why it's so important to start in the book of Mark. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. You, know what, you want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what you're like? This is a mind blower. Look at Jesus. In the new covenant promise, you are becoming him. So Paul used the the strange imagery of a mirror. (laughs) The wonderful promise in the New Testament is that you would become, through Christ, a new creature. You would do this incredible exchange. He came and gave, here's the new promise, his life for yours. He died your death and he rose to new life so that you died to an old nature and were raised into a new nature, a new being. Now go keep going and praying for the little girl because that's part of that new covenant life. Still tracking with me? The other issue that Paul was clarifying as we read New Testament life is this. Not just our position in Christ, but our posture with Christ. So can you, can you actually grow in your holiness? No. But you can under, grow in your understanding of holiness. You're as holy as you will ever be. But, 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 we're going through a human life experience. Remember, we have a new life that he has declared, we read it, holy and blameless. Still tracking with me. But I find in my posture that my whole posture is changing. And that I don't have to be holy holy to have relationship with him. He made me holy so I can have relationship with him. And my posture of relating to him changes. Even my personality can change, can grow and develop. I be that covenant promise. Connect with me to the full journey where I started this and I wasn't just emotional streaking. That little Iowa farm boy that stood at the tip of South Africa that grew up in shame when his life was exchanged. He quit being an introvert. He wanted to share the love of Jesus with others. Not because of who he was, but because of who Christ was in him. It started coming out of him. I don't think I ever told a joke until I was probably in my mid-twenties. I didn't even like jokes. Now I like to make you laugh. I like to use humor. Matter of fact, I'm more like, any of you know the Eels? You know that group? None of you have listened to the Eels? Anybody ever? Have you ever listened to a song for my grandchildren? I'm, I was that guy. Get up real early. Go to bed early, too. I don't like to be around people. 
doesn't mean I hate him. What about you? I don't know. It's because something like that. So it's it's this song about like, you know, why I'm so weird. Listen, when Christ comes in, new. For those of you that are in high school, yeah, I'm the high school kid that gave the speech and was going. (laughs) Well, you just got used to doing it. No. And there's a couple people out here that would agree with me. Nothing scarier than preaching the word of God. And for years, I wrestled with my qualification to do that. But you know what? I found out through covenant promise, he qualified me. And he qualified you. And that's why in covenant so important. Both aspects that Paul taught to the early church right up to today's church were accomplished through what has come to be known in theology and in understanding of Christendom. And when you read your New Testament, do you know what it is named? For all of you that are struggling with this word, we have been put into a covenant of Grace. Every systematic theology book you'll open up on it. Every narrative theology book, whichever way you choose to study, what you are living in, this is glorious good news for you and I, is a covenant of grace. And grace is the greatest aspect of God's goodness that you will ever experience in your life. So if you're wrestling with this issue of grace, go on the journey with me this year. Come on, we'll dig it. We'll look at the older covenants first because you don't really fully understand the glory of the new till you understand the old. And there's three main ones, and we'll close with this. Now, there were other ones. So there's one in the garden. That's actually called a covenant of works, believe it or not, but not works in the sense of where your mind's going to go with that. It meant something very different. And then there's the wonderful and you're going to see a movie about that soon, the Noahic covenant or the covenant of Noah. That was God's goodness to say, I won't destroy earth with a flood again. I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. It's the whole story of Noah. We find a covenant given to mankind through Noah and his family from God so that we're not scared of him. And you know Noah was probably pretty shaken pretty much when the water went away and he, was, he and his family was all that was left and a bunch of animals scary but those aren't the primary ones the ones that most affected Paul and the interference with new covenant understanding were two other ones the covenant to Abraham and the covenant through Moses those two covenants is what we most often understand as old covenant life in God those two covenants so we're going to look at them And it's why Paul wrote about them. You will hear him write about the covenant through Abraham and the covenant through Moses. The very gospel of John starts with this. The law came through, do you know it? Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
initiating, not fulfillment, he began to initiate when he incarnated a new covenant to you and I. We'll explore it. Bring your Bibles, bring a notepad, and you can look at it all week. This is what I promise you. I will promise to try and not make it boring. Or so studious that you don't like coming to church anymore. Because church should also be about our enjoyment of God and each other. We'll still pray for each other. We'll still have other teachings interrupt. But will you go on a teaching journey with me this year? Try and be here as much as you can. I know new life. I understand postmodern life and it's very hard. It's hard to get here regularly. But go on a journey with me. If you miss a week, go back and get it. We'll even have some handouts some of the time. Maybe some of the stuff up on the board. Come on a journey of with, with me to understand the highway of grace. It's an incredible highway. It's mind-boggling. And yes, Forrest, you will have a nostalgic journey at the end of your days. God's inviting you into something absolutely incredible. Young people, listen to me. Absolutely incredible. And that's no hype. I have no prophetic word to you that you're going to go to the nations or stand before kings or any such thing. But I'll show you a covenant-keeping God who will direct your life all the days of your life. Do it with you. We'll do it with your brothers and sisters in children's ministry. Do it with all of us so that we learn to live healthy spiritual lives looking forward to eternity. Yeah? Stand with me. Ready to learn some new stuff about your life? Your covenant promise? I am. So here we go again. Put your hand on your heart. Lord Jesus, right now, we as a church body stand before you and we pray that great Ephesians prayer over our lives right now. That you would open the eyes of our understanding. That we might know that you would reveal it to us by your revelation, that we might know what is the hope of your calling. What is the greatness of your inheritance in us, your church? And what is this exceeding, surpassing, incredible, mind-boggling, dynamite power that you have to change our lives into really something incredible? be a believer in you and we receive it we tell you that we want it and we're willing to go on an exploration with that crazy gray-haired pastor in Jesus name amen